The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Hapsent Minded. My name is Jared Book. We're talking about playoff hockey today on Hapsent Minded. I never would have thought that we would. I mean, not. I don't want to say I never would have thought that we'd be here, but it, it didn't seem very likely, especially not three months ago. Uh, jo- joining me today is Patrick Bexell. Patrick, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Last day on vacation, so well, that's fine. It's gonna be the last day on vacation. It's been 35 degrees, brilliant day. So we know it's gonna be 40 tomorrow. And did you have to be discussing playoff hockey going back to work? Yeah, I don't know. Normally I write up, but like at this time of the year, I write prospect reports, getting back into Europe and and doing previews of the European seasons and everything. Now it's playoffs. I had price in five, and and I'm surprised that uh, you know, as as Anton and I mentioned in the last part, I think I'm more surprised that winning by community and and uh, really worked out this time. They weren't over reliant on on care price or or uh, some star forwards that didn't bring it in in case of Pittsburgh, but yeah, I I, I think it was a it was a team that had gelled very much, and I think you know when Mark Bergman speaks about character and building a group for 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 the locker room, I think this is actually where yeah, it really absolutely. Paid off. And the, the thing that that you mentioned winning by you know by, with a team, anybody obviously Carey Price played very well. I don't want to say he did not play very well or did not have a role in, in the victory. He obviously did. But people who say that he stole the series obviously didn't really watch game three when he gave up three goals and the Canadians had to score four in order to win. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, yes, Carey Price played well and they don't win the series without him playing that well. But at the same time, they don't win it if, Arturi Lekkinen didn't play so well, or yes, Barry Kotkaniemi didn't play so well, or Brett Kulak didn't play so well. It, it really was. Or, or, or even, yes. or even Paul Julian adapting his lines. You know, like it, it, it was everyone really bought into it. Everyone uh, was fair. And, and, you know, it's kind of been easy. I mean, like it's his job, but going up to Phil Dano and say, hey, you're on the third line now because the kids are playing better. You know, that that's. It's, it's his job to do it and Phil Deneau taking it as well. You know, like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to do my job. And, and uh, you know, that third line is going to be the, the worst line to play against. And, and uh, Byron, uh, Lekan and, and Deneau, you know, that's... <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing that I like about that line as a shutdown line is that Lekanen and Byron in particular are really good at creating offense from defense where they can be in their own zone and 
because Lekkonen is is smart and knows how to read plays. Byron is fast and also knows how to read plays. They can create from their defensive roles because that's really what they do every game, right? Whenever, you know, Paul Byron is not usually on a top six line. Same thing with Lekkonen, but they still put up goals and points. And also, going back to it, you know, like, Lekkonen plays yeah. box play with, with Dano. So there is chemistry there already. They have an understanding already. It will, and, and as you say, Paul Byron is really, really smart. He's fast. You know, in a little bit, it's put an alley hoop up and then he's yeah, going to and, grab and it down. And what and happens is that, that frees up Suzuki, Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar to not have to worry so much about defense. Instead of get going up against the team's top line, you're going up against the team's second line, so you have more ability to focus on what they do best, which is offensive hockey. And we know that Suzuki can play two ways. We know that Gallagher and Tatar can play two ways. But what this does is it makes them focus on what they do best, as opposed to having to play, you know, all around and an all around game. And I, I think that that really was was the key to success. I mean, you look at the goal that that uh, made it one nothing in game four, and it was just Byron, you know, getting the puck to Lekin in front of the net, and Lekin didn't miss, and that that's where playoff goals come from. You know, there, there's a reason why players like Lekkonen are so good in the playoffs. It's not just because, you know, they're more motivated or things like that. It's because their style of play is what you need to have in the playoffs. And and maybe that's what teams that, that aren't as successful, they don't necessarily have that type of player who can step up and, and be that, that player. And, you know, Montreal is not, doesn't have a Connor McDavid. They don't have a... Austin Matthews, who can just come in and, and take over a game, but they have players who can take advantage of of mistakes and and get up in those moments, and that's what we saw against against Pittsburgh, and and that's that's what they'll need to have in against Philadelphia and the Flyers in order to to move on to to round two. Montreal has a a third line that is dangerous and, and can as you say, score goals. They have that depth that, you know, we saw in Pittsburgh, uh, they have two lines and Malkin didn't fire. So, so essentially they had one line. Uh, we saw Connor McDavid and, and uh, uh, Edmonton, you know, they, they scored tons of goals, his line. But on the other hand, they let in a crazy amount of goals when they weren't on the ice as well. You need depth. You can't really, it's not basketball where you need two stars to put a, a, game, a, a game plan together. Uh, it's 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 so much more, and it's not football where you have that width that you know Leo Messi can can dominate a game anyway, or or other players can as well. But but Leo Messi, Ronaldo, uh, we saw Lewandowski and 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 Bayern the other day as well. But that is really the thing that when you have that kind of player in other sports, they they lift the team. But whereas in hockey, where you Spending almost two thirds of the game on the on the sidelines, you need depth and and the third line that is super dangerous and can outperform the third line uh, of of the other team that that breaks havoc yeah, on the other line for them. What I think, you know, let's say you're the Philadelphia Flyers, you're Alain Vigneault, you look at this Montreal lineup, 
where do you look for the advantage? Because if you go, let's say you put Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, that line up against, you know, Suzuki's line or Cut Kenyemi's line, it's, yes, you might have the advantage there, but those two lines showed that they can play against Crosby, they can play against Malcolm if, if they had to. And what happens is if you try and exploit, let's say, the, the Max Domi line, the fourth, the fourth line, then that opens you up against when you have to play your fourth line or your third line. And that's what we saw with Pittsburgh is that, you know, yes, you would like to have Crosby against Domi. That, that'd be an ideal matchup for you. But then Montreal can put Dano or Kutkiniemi or Suzuki up against your fourth line or your fourth, third line. And it goes both ways. And, and yes, Philadelphia is a deeper team than, than Montreal and then Pittsburgh also. But at the same time, it, the Montreal has, has the ability to, you know, lose one matchup or, or, you know, tread water in one matchup. And, you know, maybe Carey Price makes a big save or two. And then you put out another line against their second line or their third line or their fourth line. And that's where you pick up the advantage. So, it's going to be a very similar series, a little bit different, obviously, in how it's going to play out. But I think that there's a path for Montreal to win, and that is relying on on the young players again, relying on Nick Suzuki, relying on Nesbury Kutkiniemi. And even if Philadelphia focuses more on them, they're coming off a series where Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, Max Domi, Philip Deneau had zero goals. So that's not going to happen for a second straight series. They're going to get some goals. And if they don't, then Montreal has zero chance. But but even if Kutkiniemi doesn't score as much as he did or Lekkinen doesn't score as much as he did, you can expect Brendan Gallagher, who, especially in Game 4, could have scored three goals on his own to to really break out. And they'll need that to happen. But there, there's, there's room for improvement. Montreal didn't play perfectly against Pittsburgh. They played close. But they weren't perfect, so there's room for improvement, and and you know not just relying on on Carey Price. The interesting thing here, really, for me, is that there are two teams that are actually coming off you know strong performances at their respective uh, uh, playoff play-in uh, seeding group, whatever you want to call it, and but whatever has been going on, both both teams come with you know they, they won. Philly won three games against very good opposition. Uh, there is some talk, obviously, about Montreal being a 12th seed and, and knocking the fifth seed out or whatnot. But in, in normal days, in March, this is what we're all waiting for. We, we want to see that happen. And, um, you know, uh, March Madness wouldn't be the same if, if that it didn't happen. That was, it's what makes it special. And we want to see upsets sometimes. Or most of the time, uh, you, or at least the neutrals, you share for the uh, for the underdog. So, so there it comes. Montreal will go into this series as an underdog. Uh, Philadelphia is a much deeper team uh, than uh, than Montreal. But whereas we knew where Philadelphia was at the start of this postseason, uh, we didn't really know what what uh, Montreal was and. I said it in, in our chat, and I think that it, it benefited the young guys, really, because uh, they practiced maybe harder. They got a you know 62-game series uh, league, 
and then they get a play-in game with three months between, so they get to recover, they can perform at the best. And the breakout of, of Jesper Kotkaniemi that really is this, the, the, the reason that Montreal is here, along with Nick Suzuki, is, is, is something that, you know, positive impact, it brings forward, uh, you know, a better feeling in the group, a better dynamic. And also, I have to say, like, um, Charot and, and Kulak was really good, and, and I didn't really expect that either. So, so they have really uh, outperformed themselves as well. And, and this is really what winning by community yeah, and, meant. You know, it's interesting because the, the flyers uh, of this year really remind me of the Canadians in 2012-2013 because they are a team that is really in an unprecedented place as the number one team in the conference. They did not make the playoffs a year ago. They haven't won a playoff series since 2012. So you have a, a group of a veteran group and you know the players like Claude Giroux, uh, Yakovorchik, they they've, they have been on uh they they have one playoff series but as a team it, it's a it's a group that really has not had that success and they have high expectations remember in, in 2012 2013 the Canadians were coming off a year where they didn't make the playoffs it was also a very weird year in the fact that there was a lockout so the season started later you had guys like uh, Brendan Gallagher that was his rookie year Alex Galchenyuk his rookie year and players who had never really been in that, that playoff scenario. Lars Eller didn't really have playoff experience either. Obviously, he got hurt early in, in game one of that series. Pretty much the entire Montreal Canadiens team got hurt in that series. But it, it reminds me of that in that you have a team that is kind of growing and, and winning at the same time. And in the playoffs, in the NHL more than maybe other sports as well, you have to know how to win a playoff series. It's not just like, oh, we're a really good team. We're going to win now. It, you need to have that kind of experience. And uh, there are a lot of Flyers players who do have that playoff experience, but as a group, they don't really have it. And so it kind of reminds me of that group because Montreal, they were heavily favored against Ottawa. They were they won the division after not making the playoffs the year before. Philadelphia is the number one seed after not making the playoffs the year before. There, There's a, a an, an experience factor that Montreal doesn't have either, but they also don't have the expectations that the Flyers do. And and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, Carter Hart is is you know going to be playing his first real playoff hockey against the, the goalie that he looked up to uh growing up in Carey Price. And and Carey Price, as an example, he struggled in the playoffs his first couple of times in the playoffs. So it's yes, Philadelphia is a better team. Will they be able to to play right out the gate uh, against this Montreal team? We don't know. How will they handle those expectations? Remember, they were the four seed entering this, and they only are the number one seed because they they won their three games. They played very well. I'm not taking anything away from them, but they're in a position that that no one would have expected them to be in, not at the beginning of the season, not even at the beginning of the return to play. And and, And they're playing a team in Montreal that nobody expected to be in that situation either. So... It's that's a factor that I'm going to see and I'm going to look at to see how are they going to react to this basically unprecedented expectations that they have in front of them. It's also playoffs without the crowd. Yeah. 
let's not forget that it's it's we've seen it uh, in other leagues uh, but um, it's 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 playoffs or, or games without the crowd it neutralizes a lot of, of those home home field advantage home ice advantage and and other things so so the games become more and more even in in many ways the pressure on the refs are not there so so they call the game maybe a little bit better it's it's all these things that that makes a slight difference and maybe that's why we've seen quite a few upsets here in in the in the yeah play-in. and it's it's interesting because there's been so long of not playing hockey and and kind of going into full uh f- you know full full intensity right away you know anybody who watched the round robin there it was a lot different than the qualifying round and that's another factor montreal has been playing you know playoff hockey for the last week philadelphia hasn't really you know they've been playing basically regular season hockey and again it's not maybe the biggest factor and philadelphia might come out fine and have no issues but it's it's another question mark in a series of question marks and, and you just don't know what's going to happen and it's more open yeah. than than probably think when you th- look at a 12 seed versus a first seed or, or whatnot <laughs> exactly. it, it just it, it just more way more open because you take away so many of the other things that influences the game and and obviously you mentioned it uh that the the, the round robin was more or less a, a, a way to to play and not get hurt and we saw what happened to to victor Hedman yesterday and, and that's terrible for him and, and for, for tampa bay uh which was my favorite going into the playoffs uh but yeah it's it's injuries will will affect i hope it doesn't come down to that but if you haven't played full contact hockey you, you play 99 percent or 98 percent it takes a little bit of time to get in it and if Montreal can use that the first game, that would be that would be great because then you take away the whole mice advantage, which in this case really is just getting to change late. Yeah, and th- that's that's a factor. I mean, not as much of a factor than it was when uh, Pittsburgh had Crosby and Malkin because the, there the the drop off is so big that it, it makes a big difference. It's not as important against a team that's that's deeper, right? Because you know you don't have to worry about Crosby going up against your your fourth line as much because then you would have an advantage in a different matchup, like like I mentioned earlier. So it's going to be weird. And one interesting storyline for me, on top of the inexperience of the Flyers as a contender, is the coaching battle. And Alain Vigneault and Claude Julien have a lot of history. They played, they coached against each other in the Stanley Cup when Claude Julien was in Boston, Vigneault was in Vancouver. And when Claude Julien became the head coach of the Canadians again, his playoff series was against Alain Vigneault and the New York Rangers. And a lot of the heat that Claude Julien took in that series was not adjusting. And not really having uh, an answer for the Rangers forecheck and the Rangers attacking the Canadians. And a lot of people would say that he had gotten outcoached in that series. We mentioned it before about his, his changing against Pittsburgh. The difference now is that he doesn't have, 
he had more time off to prepare for the return to play than he had experience behind the Canadian's bench going into that playoff series against the Rangers in, in 2017. So in, in a way, it'll, it, it's kind of more equal because Claude Julien didn't really know what he had in the Canadian's roster in 2017. And that's not really an excuse. They were still a favorite in that series and almost did win it. Uh, it did go six games. But at the same time, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how that chess match plays out. And obviously, Michel Therrien, there, there's not that many players who he coached in Montreal, but there's there's enough of them. He knows Carey Price pretty well. He knows Brendan Gallagher pretty well. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well, because there there is that ex, that knowledge factor in in terms of uh, of the personnel. So it, it's it's going to be fun to see what's going to happen, and maybe a little bit more intense because there's not that recent playoff experience between these two teams. They last played each other what ten years ago? That was the last time that they yeah, ever played each other in the playoffs. Not many players are, are still around from then, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm looking forward to it because. There, it, it seems less, less, uh, you knew how Pittsburgh series is going to go. You don't know how this series is going to go. And, nah. and it's going to be. The last time we really saw Philadelphia in, in the playoffs was the Pittsburgh series where it was two crazy goalkeepers <laughs> that won. Goaltending optional. Yeah, exactly. And um, what I'm going to look for in, in this series is actually a player I haven't watched enough. And, and, uh, all I hear is really, really good things. And it's Ivan Provorov. He's 23. Obviously, if it was Tampa we were facing, we would be saying something about Sugachev. And, and here we have a, another Russian defender. Uh, and, and obviously, we have a Russian defender in the bubble that can't really play, unfortunately. But there, there are some really good Russian defenders around. And, and here is another one. And Nathan, in, in our chat uh, earlier, he, he put out a chart and said, like, Provorov uh, played uh, up towards 28 minutes a game as a 23-year-old in, in the playing series or in, in the, uh, the round-robin or, or in, during the season. That's extreme, but that's the defender. You need to work out. You need to, to, to figure him out and see when he's not on the ice because then you could probably force other defenders to make mistakes because he seems like a complete rock. Yeah, when, when and it's similar to to what Tampa Bay would have been with Hedman, and obviously, you know, Hedman left the game on Friday night, uh, sorry Saturday, with an injury, and we don't know how long he's going to be out. But that's obviously a factor. It was a factor last year when they got swept by Columbus. So when you don't have that that defenseman who plays 20, 20, 30 minutes a game, it, it does make a difference, and that's where Montreal has the advantage a little bit is that they have both Weber and Petrie who can play that that top D role. And when you have both of them, that's a huge advantage because that takes so much pressure off of Victor Mete, off of Xavier Ouellette. Uh and, and it makes such a difference. And it'll be interesting to see, because like you said earlier, you can't win with just one line, one D. All the other players have to step up. So they're going to need Goss's Bear. They're going to need... Sanheim, they're going to need Philip Myers. All those guys are going to have to step up, and a lot of them don't have playoff experience. It, it shouldn't be a difference. 
it shouldn't make a difference, but it can. And that's the uncertainty that we don't know what's going to happen. And something else that we see a lot in this, these qualifiers, it doesn't matter how strong your strengths are. What matters is how weak your weaknesses are. And if, and if the other team can exploit them. Right. Exactly. You look at Edmonton. They didn't lose because of Connor McDavid. They lost because they didn't have the depth behind Connor McDavid. You look at, you know, even uh, Chicago, they might not have, they don't have a Connor McDavid on their team, but they have no real weakness to exploit. You know, they, they, they scored on, you know, I think um, Corey Crawford had a save percentage under 900 and they still won the series. And which is, which is crazy. But at the same time, you know, Montreal exploited the Pittsburgh third line uh, that wasn't very good. They exploited, you know, Malkin, who wasn't very good. They exploited the fourth line that didn't play as, as well as they maybe could have or, or you expect them to. They did score a, a big goal in game three. But they, uh, Jack Johnson, a lot has been said about him. That's where you can take your advantage. So, been out coached as well. So, so he used all his dirty tricks from his Boston era in a way and, and got them sorted. So, so I think that's, you know, if he can continue, for, for me, can he continue to actually actively coach? Yeah, then Montreal is within chance. Um, I still have Philadelphia as a, as a favorite. I think Philadelphia will go through, I, probably in six. But uh, I think, you know, there, there is room for, for improvement in Montreal. There is uh, room for an upset as well. I'm, I'd rather be cautious and say, no, they won't do it, than, than, and, and be positively surprised halfway in. But right now, yeah, I, I, from what I've seen from Philadelphia, they'll probably go through. Yeah, Philadelphia has probably played the best hockey in the bubble, other maybe yeah. than Carolina. Carolina played really well against the Rangers as well. Uh, they're probably the team that I would not want to face right now if I was any team. But it, Philadelphia has played good hockey. They're 3-0 and because they beat three good teams. Let's not take anything away from them. Uh, they're definitely the favorite. I'm going to say what I said going into the Pittsburgh series, which is the the most likely result is Philadelphia winning, but Montreal can win. The, we've seen the the pattern of what it takes to win in the playoffs, and there's no reason to think that Montreal can't do the same thing that they did to to, to Philadelphia. And, and yes, that needs that means that Carey Price needs to play very well. That means that Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Nick Suzuki, Philip Deneau, Lekkinen, Kulak, even Petrie and Weber, uh, Sherratt, they need to play well. And that's a lot of ifs, but they've just, they just did it. It's not as abstract as it was a week ago. It's not as abstract as it was, you know, definitely three months ago when, when nobody knew they were going to be in this situation. So there, there's a path to Montreal winning this, but they're the underdogs for a reason. But but to go back to, to kind of what I said a, a little bit earlier, or change the, the argument that I said a little bit earlier, on paper, this is, you know, an eight seed against a one seed. Really, this is the 12 seed against the four seed. So it, it's, 
we don't know how Philadelphia is going to react. You know, if the season was stopped a week earlier, it could have very easily been Montreal against Philadelphia in the qualifying round. <laughs> so they were very close to Pittsburgh. So it's going to be, for for me, it's, it, it I don't want to keep, I, I've, I keep going back to 2010 because it's, it's the last time that they had this kind of, out of nowhere run because every kind of run since then has been at them as the favorite starting with the, the lockout in, in 2013. But at the same time, it, it kind of feels a little bit like that where it's like, you don't know what's going to happen. Let, let's remember they were one game away from the playoffs last year. One game. And, and, and you know, you build on that. Yeah. Mark Bergman has said he wanted character players. He wanted players that was good in the locker room. Now we see what that means to have a group that fell very, very fast, that can get going very, very fast, that trigger each other positively uh, going forward and going into different series and going into different games. I think this is where, where it really benefits. And this is maybe the perfect storm for Mark Bergevin. Yeah, and to go back to, to last year, you know who yeah. wasn't one game of the playoffs? The Philadelphia. Montreal is a better, better team than Philadelphia a year ago. And, and yes, there's a lot of factors that come into why one team improved and one team got worse. But at the same time, you know, the, the cores of the teams are pretty much similar. And, and the coaching staff is obviously different as well. There's, there's a lot of different factors. You know, Philadelphia had a new, has a new coach this year. But at the same time, it's not like they're going against a team like Tampa Bay that has a series, a history of, you know, playoff runs and, and playing well, and even Boston, right? If they, if the teams didn't reseed themselves in the round robin, they'd be playing Boston right now. Boston has a history of Stanley Cup final appearances, Stanley Cups. They have a veteran core that's been around for year after year after year of playoff wins. Philadelphia doesn't have that. So it's going to be very interesting. And you don't have that, that history. And yes, you have to start somewhere and very well. The, the story of the Philadelphia Flyers dynasty could very well start against the Montreal Canadiens. We don't know. But the point is that it's the start. And there's not that overwhelming evidence of success and history. And, and that's what, what intrigues me about this, is that going into game one, yeah, you can expect the Flyers to, to run away with it, but we don't know. We don't know that this Flyers team is capable of that. And that's not to say that they're not going to be do, doing it. It's just we don't know. And like like the Montreal Canadiens against the Penguins, we didn't know what Kotkaniemi was capable of, what Suzuki was capable of, what Brett Kulak was capable of, what Carey Price was capable of. And now we know that. Well, I mean, we knew what he was capable of. We just didn't know if he was going to get there, <laughs> right? And that's and that's a little bit like, like what the Flyers are, are going into now. We, we know they're a very good team. We just don't know if they'll be able to put it together for a best-of-seven series. Uh, that, that that they're going to be walking into. It, it has a lot of unknowns, and the Austin has just lost when when we're recording this. And uh, Tuka Rask just said it's all over now. When we start the real hockey. Yeah. So you know how how a, a lot of teams in the round robin probably went in saying let's not get hurt. That means you play on ninety percent, ninety percent of your of your limit, yeah. and no, you're done team that has a lot to prove in Philadelphia and they if they play 95 they win the series uh, or, or the round robin 
So, so it's going to be really interesting to see also like with the focus on the other games, how these teams that has been maybe playing it a little bit cooler uh, can perform when they face other teams in, in, in matchups that actually are important. And, and that goes back to the, to the veteran leadership, right? We, we know the Bruins can flick a switch because they've often clinched a week or two before they actually have to play a playoff game, right? They, sometimes even months before. We know, we know teams like Tampa Bay, Washington, that was an issue with Tampa Bay, right? They clinched so far in advance that when it came time for the playoffs, they couldn't flip the switch against Columbus that has been playing playoff hockey just to get into the playoffs. So can a team, a young team like Philadelphia, just flick that switch? We don't know. And, you know, if they do, they'll, they'll, if they are able to play 100% of their capability against the Montreal Canadiens, there's no question they're going to win the series. The question is, are they going to be able to flip the switch? Are they going to be able to dominate the, the first 10 minutes of the game, get a goal that Pittsburgh couldn't get in the first 10 minutes of game one to demoralize the Canadians? Or are they going to let the Canadians gain a little hope, gain a little confidence, gain a little hope, gain a little confidence until, you know, Jeff Petrie's scoring in overtime of game one and all of a sudden they're down a game in a series that they should be winning. So it, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see because, yes, the favorites are the better teams. But at the same time, the favorites have a lot of expectations. And I think that that's a big factor against in the Edmonton and Chicago series is that Edmonton was the favorite, but they're a very inexperienced team. They've only been to the playoffs once with Connor McDavid on their team. And the rest of the core isn't really that much more experienced than he is in terms of playoff hockey. And Luke Martin yeah, was, was big for them as well. Yeah, exactly. And not a lot of playoff hockey in Edmonton in the last few years. And then you have a team like Chicago, who may not be as good as Edmonton, but they have that playoff experience. And Montreal didn't have that playoff experience, but they beat Pittsburgh that did. So they they kind of do have playoff experience now. They have that belief because they just did it. A lot of the players have been part of the playoffs in in the seventies, yeah, and absolutely, and, and thirteen as well. And uh, you know, so, so so the pedigree is there, as is it for for Philadelphia. I just think that the Philadelphia core is a little bit older. On the other hand, they have a lot of youngsters coming up as well, and and obviously they have a youngster at the maybe most important position in Connor Hart. So yeah. It will be interesting. It will be an open series. I think it's more open than than think that than you when you just look at the seating. Uh, but yeah, in the end, it's going to come down to hockey. And and we we usually say here in Sweden that the back is round. Uh, it's also flat, so it can bounce like crazy. So who gets the bounce? <laughs> you know, the Philadelphia Flyers are definitely the favorite. The Canadians are definitely the underdog. But like we saw just a week ago, that doesn't mean everything. So it, it's it's going to be fun. It. Hey, listen, it's it's weird. It's summer. It's August, but it's playoff hockey. And the one thing you know about playoff hockey is that it can be unpredictable at times. And the Canadians, there's no upside to losing anymore, right? If they would have lost against Pittsburgh, you still have the draft lottery. Now it, it you're playing, and lo- the losing hurts just a little bit more than it did maybe a week ago, and so. You know, it's going to be fun. Enjoy the ride. We'll have a lot of things that at Eyes on the Prize 
leading up to the series, during the series. Uh, as we're recording this on, on Sunday afternoon, we don't know exactly when the games will be. We'll have everything covered. We'll have a bunch of reactions for you and Hobson minded as well. And Patrick, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, no, obviously it starts more or less in, in Europe in a week. Uh, Matthias Norlander is been on ice with Fernanda. Jacob Olsson has been on ice on, in, in, uh, um, in Coleptio. So yeah, there will be some updates here as well. Otto Leskinen is signed with Kalpa. And um, yeah, we, we got to see Johnny Ekonen hopefully on the ice for, for more than two weeks this time. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully he can stay healthy. And, uh, you know, looking forward to it's weird. We're still wrapping up 2019, 2020 in North America, 2020, 2021 is already starting in Europe. We're used to being a few hours behind. I don't know if we're used to being a whole season behind. I don't know. That's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Derek. Thank you very much. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, enjoy the hockey and we'll see you next time. Uh, have some idea. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.